God, thank you so much for your word. And I pray, Lord, that you'd use it to inspire us and to encourage us uh, in this moment in the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray, Father, that uh, your Holy Spirit would rest on me so I can bring your word to your people today. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. We'll start with Second Chronicles chapter 20, all the way with the first verse and down to the 23rd verse so you get the whole story. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with them some of the Mayunites, came against Jehoshaphat, who is the king of Judah, uh, for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom and from beyond the sea. And behold, they are in Hezeron Tamar, that is, in Gedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you. For your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy, behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaniah, son of Jael, son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed for this great horde, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the Kohathites and the Korites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire, 
as they went before the army and say, Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were rooted. From, from the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Well, one of the most powerful things we can do when we travel through tough times is worship. Uh, worship is one of the greatest things that we do as Christians. In fact, uh, I love uh, what uh, the Shorter Catechism, the Westminster Shorter Catechism says in its first uh, question and answer. It says, what is humanity's chief end? And the answer is, the chief end of humanity is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. I mean, that's our purpose. That's our calling. And, and it's all about bringing God the glory and the honor that he's due. And I think as Christians, we, we know this. Uh, most Christians would agree with this. Uh, even our, our whole activity of making disciples, sharing Jesus with people, is so that more and more people will come to bring honor and glory to the Lord and learn how to enjoy him forever. So worship is really, really powerful. But when we're traveling through tough times, it's not just enough to sing pretty songs. And unfortunately, a lot of times what has happened uh, in the, the body of Christ around the world is we've equated worship simply with singing nice music and having a good band. Uh, but having a good band is not itself worship, neither is singing nice songs. And, and actually, uh, we've seen where people who aren't worshiping God can sing Christian songs. Uh, it's interesting, in the United States, the most popular radio stations tend to be Christian stations, and Christian stations are listened by almost as many non-Christians as they are Christians. Interesting kind of thing. So simply because you're singing a nice song doesn't really mean you're worshiping the Lord. And even if you're worshiping, it doesn't mean that you're worshiping in a way that you need to worship if you're traveling through tough times in order to experience the breakthrough that you need, or at least to get through the tough times that you're traveling through. And in this passage, we learn a lot about worship, and particularly the worship that we need as we're traveling through tough times. And again, many of the sermons that I've heard here uh, on this passage have said, well, when they worshiped God, that worship brought the victory. But that's actually not true. That's actually not true. And we begin to see this when we start to look at what's happening in the passage and learn how we need to worship the Lord as we're traveling through tough times. So the situation has happened here. Jehoshaphat, he's ruling over Judah and Jerusalem. Uh, they don't have a strong army. It's a, a time of great uncertainty, a cry, time of great difficulty. And a number of their enemies are looking at this as an opportunity to come invade, pilfer, plunder, uh, and take over as much as they can. So the word about this gets to Jehoshaphat. And in, in response to this, or, or actually as an outflow of this word coming to Jehoshaphat, uh, several things happen here that are really important. Notice the first thing that Jehoshaphat does is he brings the people together to pray. Now, one of the things 
We like to pray when we're traveling through tough times, but most of the time what we're doing is praying our own personal prayers. That's not what Jehoshaphat's doing here. Even though he's lifting up a personal prayer, he's calling the people together to pray. And so corporately, we need to come together and pray as we're traveling through these tough times, just like Jehoshaphat did. And notice what Jehoshaphat does as he prays. He, first of all, he focuses on who God is and God's greatness, God's majesty. Then, in his prayer, he celebrates all that God has already done for the people of Israel, the whole salvation history. So he starts by focusing on God in his prayer, then he celebrates all that God has done, and then he begins to talk about the reality that they're facing. And the order is absolutely essential. So often, we are surrounded by difficulties, like we are in the UK today, and, I, and I'm resolving not to mention that word in my sermon. Uh, you know, it could become a, a swear word uh, for us. But, uh, uh, you know, when we're facing situations like we are today, our temptation is to look first at the situation and see what a mess it is. But that's not what Jehoshaphat did. Yes, of course, he saw the reality. He was afraid because he knew what was, could happen. He knew how weak and vulnerable they were. But his first thing was to go and press into the Lord, acknowledge who God is, and then go and celebrate all that God has done in the past, and then to go into a cry for help. And notice in this cry for help, he especially points out how the people who are coming against them are actually acting unjustly. Because when God brought them into the promised land, God said, don't mess with these people. Uh, Instead, just go around them. And so now they're unjustly trying to attack Israel and unjustly pay uh, for something, uh, uh, and, and unjustly try to get, get something out of Israel uh, that where they should have been giving Israel thanks and saying, hey, you know, thanks for not invading us. You know, they're not doing that. So, so this is the prayer, the kind of prayer that he prays that's the basis for the worship that he's going to engage in. And then notice the next dynamic that comes here The next dynamic is the prophetic word. When we're traveling through tough times, as we pray, we need to pray, but we also need to seek the word of the Lord. Now, sometimes that word will come through an external prophet, like it does here. Uh, Sometimes that word will come through the Lord just speaking into our hearts, speaking into our, our own personal minds. Sometimes that word comes through our study of the scripture. But it's important that we be listening for the voice of the Lord. Because unless we listen for the voice of the Lord, speaking through the scripture, speaking into our hearts, speaking through the prophetic, we can miss what God wants us to do. And so they were listening to the voice of the Lord. And notice a little bit of what, what the prophet, um, the prophet Jehaziel, he says there. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed at what's going on. And notice this. The battle is not yours, but it's the Lord. I remember a little over a decade ago, we were going through some very difficult times here at City Temple. One of the things the Lord said to me is, remember that this is not your fight. This is not your battle. And I made so many mistakes when I forgot 
that this wasn't my fight, and I tried to make it my fight. And so the Lord says, "Don't. this is not your fight. This battle belongs to me. You're not going to have to fight. You won't have to fight in this battle. So what are they going to have to do? The Lord says, stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Stand firm, hold your position, see the salvation of the Lord, because this is not your battle. You're not going to fight this battle. And this is really important for us, because as we travel through tough times, one of the biggest temptations we all face is to fight the battles, to make the battles ours. So if we're having a tough time at work, what do we do? We think it's, it's our supervisor, and our supervisor is the one causing us the problem. So all I need to do is go after the supervisor and fight the supervisor and, and somehow you know, make a grievance or something like that, and then somehow I'm going to win the battle. But that's not how we tend to win our battles. It doesn't mean you capitulate to bad behavior, and it doesn't mean that you don't avail yourself of the resources at your disposal when you're being wrongfully treated, but it does mean that we have to remember primarily that the battle belongs to the Lord, and our responsibility is to stand and hold our position and look for the salvation of the Lord. And that's what the prophet said. He said, tomorrow you're going to go out, but this is the reality you stand, you hold your position, and the Lord is going to fight the battle. The Lord is going to see this for you. So they have the prayer that undergirds this worship. They have the prophetic word. And now the next day we see what happens, and they go out. And notice they already have the prophetic word. And so here, and they've already prayed the prayer, they have the prophetic word, and because they prayed the prayer, and because they received the prophetic word, in response to the prophetic word, they worship. The worship does not bring in the victory. The worship is in response to God's promise of the victory. God is bringing in the victory. And certainly it's as they start worshiping that God starts moving, but that doesn't mean that God was not going to do what he was going to do if they didn't worship. They worship God in response to what he said, in response to who he is, in response to his promises. They choose to worship the Lord, and the worship was part of them standing and holding their position and seeing the salvation of the Lord. In the same way, as we travel through tough times, our worship is not the thing that will bring the victory. The Lord is going to bring the victory. The Lord has already made promises to us. He's already working in us. He's already, he, he, he's already speaking to us. As we travel through tough times, we worship not to get the victory, but we worship because we have the victory already. Our worship becomes a declaration of our faith in the Lord. It's not a plea for the Lord to do something. The Lord does not respond to our worship. We worship as a response to the Lord and all that he is doing and all that he has promised to do. And that dynamic then of worship actually then begins to create this cycle where once again we go back into that time of prayer. We focus on who he is, all that he has done, the present needs. We listen for the voice of the Lord. We get the prophetic word. And then in response to all of that, we lift up the Lord and worship him yet again.
And this is the dynamic that the Lord engages us in as we're traveling through tough times. Worship is one of the most powerful things we can do because it engages us with the reality of who God really is. It engages us with God's love for us. It engages us with the, the knowledge that God is more than capable of winning the battles that we're, we're facing. And it reminds us of the promises he's already made in our lives that deserve our worship and our praise. And all of this is sealed as we focus ourselves on Jesus Christ and allow ourselves to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because ultimately, unlike Jehoshaphat, for us, our worship is centered in the reality that Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose from the dead, and is coming again. And this enables us to travel through tough times with confidence, worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth and in faith. Father, thank you so much for this great gift of, of worshiping you. Lord, we worship you simply because you deserve to be worshiped. You deserve our praise. You deserve all the honor. You deserve all the glory. And we freely give it to you. And we give it to you not to manipulate you into winning our battles. We give you our worship knowing that you are winning and have won our battles in the cross of Christ. And we thank you for that confidence and that by that confidence and in that confidence we can come to you to worship and honor you. We love you and praise you and we thank you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.